Our uh, first scripture reading in the morning comes from the New Testament. It's from the book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. I want you to especially pay attention to the end of the passage because uh, that, uh, you will find, kind of informs the verse that I will be preaching on today, which is the fifth verse to that hymn, Amazing Grace. Uh, but wonderful words uh, to live by as they come from 1 Peter. I invite you to follow along on the screen. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, our uh, second scripture reading of the morning also comes from the New Testament. It's from the book of Galatians. It's a Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. I'll be reading from chapter 5, verse 1, and then skipping on down and reading verses 13 through 18. I want you to focus and concentrate and listen especially to verse 1 because that'll serve as a launch pad into the message this morning. Paul begins in verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then on to verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I will uh, never forget the time that I went to visit my father at the police station in Westwood, New Jersey, when he was on duty. I was about eight or nine years old, and I went to the police station, and Dad was going to give me a grand tour of the place. And I remember there was this enormous wooden desk, and it had log books and phones and all these calls that came for help from the community to that police officer, that dispatcher who was sitting behind the desk. I saw where they kept the guns. I saw where the police officers changed in the locker rooms. I saw the courtroom where the people came to have their cases tried. But the one place that you always wanted to go to when you visited the police station was the jail. 
the place where they put the quote bad guys, the place where people got locked up for all of their sins, wrongdoings, and criminal activities. And so I went into this room where there was this boring, dark, dank, dull, drab, olive green steel cage. And I walked in, and I have to tell you, it wasn't very big, and there really was not much to it. And then Dad closed the door. And I have to tell you, the sound of that prison door slamming shut is something that I will never forget. And then I continued to take a look around, and after sort of surveying the situation, it was time to come out. But suddenly, Dad couldn't find the key. And he's checking his pants pocket, and his key ring, and his shirt pocket. And about now, I'm starting to get really nervous. Well, he was setting me up. And finally, Dad says, oh, here it is. And he stuck the key into the lock, and the door opened, and I shot out of there. Friends, this is why Jesus Christ came. He came to make us free. And he sticks the key into the lock and opens the door for us to a brand new way of life. We are in the home stretch of my sermon series on the hymn, Amazing Grace. And today, we're looking at one of the lesser known verses to that glorious hymn. It's a verse that's not in the hymn book that we use here at Chestnut Level. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. It's a beautiful verse and one that the praise song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, that the praise team sang earlier had in it. Well, the Apostle Paul is saying in the book of Galatians that we are in chains of our own making. Now we know, sadly, that there are millions of people around the world today who are victims of injustice, or poverty, or slavery, or human trafficking, hunger. These are things that the prophets of the Old Testament just railed against. These are the things that people like John Newton, who wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, and a man by the name of William Wilberforce, who you will learn more about in the movie next week, fought hard against. But the reality is, many people are in bonds of chains that they have made for themselves. And so, today we have resentments that rule us, anger that drives us, memories that haunt us, and depressions that dominate us. It reminds me of a cartoon that I saw one time which a man is banging his head against the wall. And a passerby asks him, why are you doing that? And the man replies, because it feels so good when I stop. When we are dominated by sadness, when we are trapped into the feeling that we have no hope, often, and no, not all the time, but often, that is the result of shackles of our own making. Different people have different temptations. And we had better be aware of the ones that can imprison us. Because if we don't, then we run the risk 
of setting up scenarios that will eventually bring us down. Remember, in the Old Testament, the fatal attraction that a man named Samson had for a woman named Delilah. The Philistines discover Samson's kryptonite, its women, and they pay this woman named Delilah 1,100 pieces of silver if she can find out the secret to Samson's strength. And first, Samson plays this cat and mouse game with Delilah. He says, well, if you tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings, that will do it. He falls asleep. The Philistines rush down to Dick's Sporting Goods. They buy up all the fresh bowstrings. They come back. They tie him up. He wakes up and breaks them, it says, like thread next to a fire. And Delilah plays the kind of damsel in distress routine. Oh, Samson, please tell me the truth. Please tell me the truth. He says, okay, tie me up with new ropes. He breaks those too. And then he tells her to braid my hair. Well, he winds up pulling the whole loom right out of the wall. At this point, as this narrative is unfolding before our eyes, we're thinking, oh, Samson, don't do it. You can't be serious. Can't you see what's going on here? Are you a few French fries short of a happy meal? Oh, no. And then Samson gives in. He caves in and he tells Delilah the secret of his strength. He says, no razor has ever been used on my head. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. That night, he falls asleep in Delilah's lap. She grabs the scissors. She grabs the razor. And by the time she is done, Samson now looks like Mr. Clean. They tie him up. They gouge out his eyes. And they take him away in chains. And for the rest of his life, Samson is a sideshow in the Philistine carnival. Until there was that final fatal day when he put his hands on the pillars of the temple, he gives a mighty shove, and he brings down the whole place dying himself in the rubble of the temple of Gaza. The tragic irony is that Samson did not see until he was blind. For all of his life, Samson was blind to his own foolishness. Only in the end did he see clearly. The Apostle Paul reminds us today that we often are our own worst enemies. And so he says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you are called the freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. Perhaps, perhaps you here, you watching, have shaped for yourself a prison that is one of solitary confinement. There's a line in the song, Desperado, that the Eagles sing that is very profound. It's about a man who has played fast and loose with relationships all of his life. And the line in the song is, your prison is walking through this world all alone. So here's a question that I have for you this morning. Do you have a prison? What is your prison? The Bible says that our jailer, the one who first in First Peter is referred to as prowling around like a roaring lion, is one against whom we are no match, one from whom we cannot run, and one from whom we cannot escape. And so we need help. Now, one of the ways is what I'm going to show you is these bracelets 
that I have, and it's called WWJD. How many of you know what WWJD stands for? Anybody? Okay, let's say it. WWJD stands for What Would Jesus Do? And this bracelet serves as a kind of how to live your life reminder as Christians so that we would react as Jesus would react. Like when someone cuts you off on 272 or when a friend lets you down or when we are faced with a temptation, then we ask, what would Jesus do in that situation? Well, we've got to get help to escape from these prisons. And so on the way out of worship today, we are going to give to each of you one of these WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? bracelets. We invite, they're all different colors, pick the color that you want. If someone's not here that you think would love to have one, please, please, please also take one for them. Friends, Jesus came to set us free. Jesus' body was broken on the cross to break the shackles that bind us to sin and despair. And so Paul writes in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. One time there was an African-American preacher and he was going to do a sermon on Paul and Silas who happened to be in jail. And this is what he said. It was dark and it was cold and it was midnight, and there was rats a skittering this way and that away across the floor of that jail. And Silas looked over at Paul and said, Paul, brother, how you doing? And Paul said, I feel a song coming on. And Silas said, well, let it fly, brother. And so the two of them threw back their heads in the middle of the darkness of that jail, and they belted out that song. And that song went up. It went up through the atmosphere. It went up through the stratosphere. It went up through the ionosphere and went up through several other spheres, and finally arrived at the throne room of heaven. Meanwhile, God's in heaven, and he's talking to an angel. God says, wait a minute, I hear a song. And the angel said, well, of course, Lord, you hear a song because heaven's full of singing. But God said, no, this song's coming from the earth. God started listening to that song, and God started smiling, and God started his toe to tapping. And that got the foundations of the earth to rocking. And that got that old jail to shaking. And those doors flew open. And Paul and Silas walked out as free men. Now, I think I can read some of your minds here. Some of you are thinking, yeah, John, you can't rap worth anything. That's what you're thinking, I know. No, what you're thinking is, hey, that's, that's fine for Paul and Silas, but John, you would not believe the shackles that are around me this morning. Well, if that feels like you, or maybe even is you, I want you to hear about a game that I heard that the Boy Scouts play that I hope will help. The Boy Scouts uh, set up this elaborate obstacle course with all these chairs in a big room. And then they set these chairs up and they zig them and they zag them all around this big room. And the idea is to take a new Boy Scout to the troop, blindfold them, and then he is supposed to negotiate his way through this obstacle course of chairs. But before he's blindfolded, 
the new scout is allowed to study the configuration of the course from every angle so that he can successfully negotiate. So he's trying to memorize that layout in his mind. Then he's blindfolded, and they usher him out of the room. Now, while he's out of the room, all the other scouts tiptoe back into the room, and they move all the chairs out of the way and push them off to the side. And then they bring that Boy Scout back in, and it's hysterical to watch what happens. Here's the point. I wonder sometimes if God looks at us that way. He sees us imprisoned and intimidated by obstacles long ago removed by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so those obstacles now are only in our minds. Friends, the prison doors are open because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Not will set us free, he has set us free. Past tense, done deal. The movie uh, Tender Mercies, if you've ever seen it, stars Robert Duvall as this country music singer who is down on his luck. He's made a big mess of his life, and really, he only has himself to blame. One day, he meets a woman who runs a gas station out in the middle of nowhere. They fall in love. They get married. She has a 12-year-old son by a previous marriage. One scene has the three of them sitting in church, uh, singing a hymn together. The scene then changes, and we see a baptismal pool in a Baptist church. The man... The boy and the minister are waist deep in water. First, the boy is baptized, and you can see by the look on his face that it is a special moment for him. And then the man is baptized. Well, after the service, they're driving home in their old beat-up pickup truck. The boy looks up the man and says, you feel any different after you've been baptized? And the man looks down and says, nope, don't feel a bit different. Boy says, me neither. Minister said, I'd be a new person if I got baptized. I don't feel any different. Man said, me neither. Well, the circumstances of their life go from bad to worse. And finally, the man gets so depressed that he hops into that beat-up old pickup truck, slams the door shut, and he drives back into town right to the liquor store. And he walks out of the store with that telltale brown bag, which has been his downfall all of his life. The scene then shifts to the cheap hotel where they are staying as a family. The wife is staring out into the darkness as the hours go by. Meanwhile, the boy lies in bed awake, unable to fall asleep. Suddenly, they hear the familiar sound, that beat-up old pickup truck driving into the driveway. And of course, the drama of the moment is, is he drunk? Is he still a slave? And he walks to the door, and he looks at his wife, and he whispers, I ain't drunk. I bought a bottle, but I poured it out. I ain't drunk. I've been driving toward Austin, toward Dallas. I've been driving and thinking, and I've been praying. And he cradles his wife in his arms, and he says, I bought a bottle, but I poured it out. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And Jesus says, I want you to hear the snapping of chains and the clankety clank of them falling to the ground. 
and the creaking of doors long closed swing wide open. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine, will be forever mine. You are forever mine. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word and the power that releases the shackles of sin from our lives and breaks the chains that hold us. Lord, we know that's only through the power of your love and that amazing grace. And so, Lord, whatever temptations, whatever vices that hold us captive, God, we pray that you may swing those doors wide open to release us so that we may live in full obedience and joy to Jesus Christ as we pray in his name. Amen.